0: If you were Luke's original audience, there's pieces of what you just read that would have had a real startling effect upon you. You would have read that when Christmas came, that the first group of people that were notified we're not the group of people that you would expect. You would have stopped and said, What? What? He went, he, God sent the angel of the Lord to tell who? Shepherds. That truth that angels appeared to the shepherds first is a remarkable truth. Now, we know that the the metaphors of shepherd and sheep run throughout our Bibles. Ancient Near Eastern culture was an agrarian culture, that means it was a farming culture, it was a pastoral setting filled with sheep. And shepherds They were part of their everyday existence, if you lived during that time. Sheep and shepherds feature prominently in the New Testament. You see, you see it in the Gospels over and over again. Primary background, though, for the metaphor lies in the Old Testament, where Israel is the lost sheep, and the king or the promised Messiah is the shepherd. Now shepherds and I've preached this stuff to you before because I I'm I love that that God shows himself first to the lowly. I love that truth. That he goes first to people that are suffering. That He goes first to people who are needy. That He goes first to people that society has looked down upon. That that startles me and, and causes my heart to love Jesus because it's not the way that we would typically act. Shepherds were, among other things, just to give you a little snapshot of shepherds, they were untrustworthy members of the community. A shepherd is not someone that you invited into your home and then just left them rummaging through your house You kept your eye on them if one of them showed up. They were untrustworthy. They were of such questionable character that their testimony was not permitted in court. So if you said, hey, no, 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 I got an eyewitness. A shepherd saw it. (laughs) Of no account was their testimony. Even though they were Jewish, they weren't even allowed to worship in the temple. Barred from God. So Luke, Highlights doesn't this highlight when you get that description? Doesn't that highlight how amazing and how remarkable this is? That that God has set out in His in His plan in His eternal plan to tell whom I got to tell first. I wonder what the angels said. Let me just get this straight, God, you don't want us to go to the to the temple to tell everyone. You don't want us to go to the church to tell everyone first. You want us to go to this group of people? They play a starring role in the first Christmas, and they do in our nativity scenes at home too, right? If you've got a nativity scene without a shepherd, you've got a faulty nativity. <laughs> you got to replace the shepherd. When our our kids were little, they played with the nativity, right? You kids do that? So they all were headless in our nativity. (laughs) You You crazy glue the heads back on. That was what our nativity looked like. But don't let the shepherd break and get rid of him. Shepherd needs to be part of the nativity scene. Shepherds are the ones that the angel of the Lord, I mean, get your mind around this. If the angel of the Lord shows up right now, this is a Christmas Advent service you will never forget. And the angel of the Lord announces good news, good news, good news. Even for people like you, there's good news. The literary significance of the shepherds is that they are of humble estate. Jesus, who is coming and we know is going to be rejected by the world, comes first to the lowly, comes first to those of humble estate, comes first to the outcast, comes first to those that are looked down upon. You might say it this way, he comes first to the nobodies. So if you want to write down my main point today... This is it. Christmas is somebody inviting everybody to be a nobody. Christmas is somebody. Capital S. Inviting everybody. You can you don't have to capitalize the E. To be a nobody. Christmas is somebody inviting everybody. To be a nobody. And I just have two points. Christmas is inviting everybody. So everybody here, Christmas is inviting you to do two things. The first one is this. To go and see. Christmas is inviting everybody to go and see. Or you might say, to come and see. The angels told the shepherds, it says it right here, to go and see. And the scripture tells us, they went and they saw. That's right there. That's always good. Whenever God tells you to do something, the angel of the Lord sent to them, I want you guys to go and see. And then the scripture says, they went and they saw. That's always good. Whatever God's word has said to us, we should do just as he told us. And the reward was that these lowly shepherds were the first to see what we see Luke describing here in his Word, in the Holy Word of God, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. So Joseph saw Him. Mary saw Him. The animals saw Him. And these shepherds are the first to see Him. And what a sight. That must have been. What did they see that night? What did did those shepherds see that night? I wish I could interview one of them. What did they see? Scripture says it was the angel of the Lord. And after telling us the angel of the Lord appeared to them, he says, and the glory of the Lord shone around. An angel of the Lord in the Old Testament often refers, often is a reference to the glory of the Lord. So what did those shepherds see? They saw, and we can't even get our mind around it, but they saw the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. No wonder they went and saw I can't imagine any of them saying, You guys go and see, because I'm not buying this. They all went and they saw. And they saw the one that the angels had described in such glorious terms. Now, get this did the, the angels describe this glorious somebody? And they're using the most glorious terms to describe him, but then they give him a clue of, of how they'll know it's him because he doesn't appear in such glorious terms. It says, "Go." the angel said, this is who he is, and he's glorious, but you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You see this Disconnect. Why is he lying in a manger? (laughs) If he's this glorious... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is this day, is born this day in the city of David. The Old Testament talked about this Messiah who would come in the city of David. And he's a Savior, a capital S Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah of the Lord. And this is how you'll know when you see him. This is the sign that you're going to see. He's going to be a little baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, if if that wasn't enough for the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord to appear with them, a multitude, I don't know how many that is, thousands more angels fill the sky and sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a glorious moment. And the shepherds leave and they go and they go to that city of David. They go to Bethlehem and they see this Child this baby in swaddling clothes in humble estate lying in a manger to some shocked parents probably this baby the king of glory can relate to a shepherd he knows what it feels like to be looked down upon He knows what it feels like to be rejected. And so he's able to sympathize with nobodies. He's able to sympathize with shepherds. Because though he is the greatest somebody in all of the world, in all of history, he knows what it's like to empty himself completely of all of his status and his glory, so that he could come to rescue nobodies like you and like me. It's challenging to identify as a nobody, though. It's almost, it's, it's challenging. I, I, I've, I worked on this uh, sentence. Christmas is somebody inviting everybody to be a nobody. I, I worked on that. I wish that came easily. But I worked out other people evaluating it, dicing it up, dissecting it. And one of the reasons why it's hard is because you and I really don't like being considered nobody. I'm up here telling you you're a nobody. I'm up here trying to identify as a nobody. And I don't want to do that. Because of our sinfulness, though, and our rebellion against God, aren't we also the unlikely recipients of the good news of Christmas? Aren't we? See, Christmas is is inviting you to see that you are actually the unlikely recipient of the good news of Christ come to save sinners. And until you see that, you can't identify as a Christian. The humble and the needy are exactly the right candidates for the Christmas message that the angels came bringing. Christmas isn't for those that think they're somebodies. It's for anybody, and especially nobodies, who see their need for the great somebody. Have you seen yet your need for Jesus? Jesus. Who's a nobody? Let me put it in terms that I hope you can climb up into. Because I think biblically defined, although the Scripture never uses the term nobody, you understand I'm, I'm using it as a metaphor to, to identify with those who are needy, which is how God is using the shepherds. But biblically defined a nobody is someone that has made room in their heart for Jesus that's that's what it is it's a nobody is someone who's who's willing to say that i i am lost without Christ, that that I need a savior, that I can't save myself, that all of my rebellion and sin against God needs to be forgiven, needs to be dealt with, and I don't have the means to doing that by in myself. I can't do that on my own. I need somebody, I need a savior. And so a nobody is, is someone who's willing to say, I need you. Remember when Jesus told p- stories like this? He, he said, you know, I didn't come for the healthy, he said. I came for the sick. This is what it means. A, the, a nobody is someone that identifies themselves as sin sick, and I need a healing, and it's something that only you can give me, Jesus. That's what a nobody is. So are you a Nobody. Don't, we can't get this misconstrued, because I think it's easy to misunderstand this. I've had people tell me in the past that, you know, be careful of how you preach about shepherds and nobodies, because all of us who live in Chester County might feel like the Christmas isn't for us, because you don't look like nobodies. You look like somebody. Somebody. You know what I'm saying? A nobody is someone that's acknowledged, I need you, Jesus. And you can do that no matter what your societal status. You can do that no matter what your income level is. That's why I'm saying that Christmas is somebody inviting everybody. It's an invitation to all of us. But that invitation includes being a nobody, acknowledging your need for Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You can be a nobody by just saying, I need you, Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're just getting by. You can be a nobody. It doesn't matter if you're an upper-middle-class Chester County resident who drives a nice car and sends your kids to nice colleges, which is what most of you do. You can still be a nobody. All you have to do is acknowledge that you need Jesus. You just have to make room in your heart for Jesus. A Nobody is someone that's made room in their life for Jesus. It's someone that said, Jesus, I need you. It's someone that says, I need the forgiveness that you offer. It's someone that has, has said that there's room for you in my life. It's someone that says, I want you to come into my life and you rule and you reign. You're at the driver's seat now. I'm not driving any longer. I need you. That's the that's nobody. But the lost, the scripture talks often about the lost, the perishing, the unsaved, the unbeliever, the unchristian person that's not a Christian. Those are all people that have told Jesus, there's no room for you in the end of my heart. There's no room for you in my life. And there's people of all kinds that have said, there's no room for you in my life. There are homeless drug addicts who have said, there's no room for you in my life, Jesus. And there are wealthy Chester County residents, your neighbors, who have said, there's no room for you in my life, Jesus. But it isn't equally true that there are people from all walks all tribes, all, na- all, all levels of income, all, all different members of, of, of different levels of social strata that have said, "I need you." Christmas is a story of somebody who came to identify with nobodies. Anyone can get it, Everyone can get it, but it will require acknowledging your need of it. We clear? I hope so. It's quiet in here. I'm trying to be happy. I, I, I feel like this is good news. All you have to do is identify as a nobody. Anybody, any nobodies in here? There's hope for everyone, right? For our best Christmases and our most difficult ones, we all need the grace of God that has come to us in Jesus it doesn't. I don't know what you're setting up for. I don't know if you're setting up for your best Christmas or you're setting up for your worst. And you don't know either. But the truth is there is hope for everyone because we all need the grace of Jesus and he's come to us at Christmas. For those of us, and there's many of us, And this is the Christmas that we want. This is the Christmas that I'm hoping for. But the Christmas season feels so exciting. Like this this Christmas season is just something that just feels so exciting to you. This message is not supposed to be a downer. This message, if that's you, if you are just setting up for your best Christmas ever, and it seems nearly perfect, well, then you worship God as the one from whom all blessings flow. Amen? He's the source of all good gifts. But for those of us that Christmas reminds us, just as J. Russ was praying this morning, of how lonely we feel, how grieving we are, how hurting we are, how needy we are, we thank God that he is making all things new through Jesus. Amen? When the shepherds left their manger, their circumstances were still mostly the same. I don't know if they got to wear like, I don't know if they got to wear something special if they were there that night. Like there's no, there's no indication in scripture that if you, hey, raise your hand if when at the annual shepherd's gathering, raise your hand if you were there when the when the angel of the Lord appeared and they all came forward. Like they they were the ones that ran the annual shepherd's conference because they were the anointed ones. They were the labeled ones. No, we don't, we don't, we don't know that what we do know is that their occupations likely didn't change as a result of being the first to hear the message. When the shepherds left the manger, they were still shepherds. They still weren't allowed to worship at the temple. They should have been allowed to worship at the temple. I mean, doesn't that get you in? Yo, 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 I know I'm a shepherd, but hold on a minute. The angel of the Lord appeared to me. Did he ever appear to you? Seems like that trumps everything, doesn't it? Angel of the Lord appeared to you. You ought to be able to worship. (laughs) They still weren't allowed to worship at the temple. They still weren't permitted to give their testimony in court. They still were regarded as untrustworthy members in the community. Church, We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. We don't have to perform to find our worth in the community of God. Jesus came into a needy world for needy people, and we all qualify. Jesus came into a broken world for broken people, and we all qualify. Jesus calls us to believe, not to make believe. Jesus calls us to delight in him, but we don't have to deny reality to do so. Even if your circumstances don't change drastically, you feel like a shepherd, God has promised to give us all the grace we need. So we pray, just keep showing us more and more of yourself, Jesus. Just keep giving me a glimpse of you. Just keep helping us to go and see. Christmas is inviting everyone to go and see. Because Christmas is somebody inviting everybody to be a nobody. Christmas is inviting everybody to go and see, but there's something else that we're invited to do, and we see it right here in the text. Christmas is inviting us to go and see. Christmas is also inviting us to go and tell. To go and tell. That's the song we're singing. The angels told the shepherds to go and see. They actually never told the shepherds to go and tell. That's not any of the instruction that they get from the angel of the Lord. They're told to go and see. Scripture says they went and they saw. But look at what the shepherds did in verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They left telling. They went to to see, they saw, and then they left telling. So, So those that are able to see, those that are able to see Christmas have this this obligation, like the overflow of the joy that comes from seeing Christmas results in now telling Christmas. Shouldn't this be the compelling outcome of our lives? The testimony's not even allowed in court. But nothing could stop them from going and giving testimony to what they had seen. Shouldn't this be the compelling outcome in the lives of all who have seen the glory of Christ with the eyes of faith? Here's the application of this point. We should go and tell. Christians... There's a large group of you in here. Christians are a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody. That's, That's your take home. That's your application point. You are a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. That's that's what we do in response to seeing. That's what we do in response to the great news of Christ and and God and the Holy Spirit and grace opening our eyes to see our need for Jesus. He, He transforms our lives. He saves us. He rescues us. He gives us purpose. He gives us meaning. And now we just want to tell people about that. I, but I do think we have to constantly remind ourselves of this, church, because it's, 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 I, I think it's easier to come together and just sing, there's hope for everyone, right? We come in and we, we want to enjoy Jesus, and, and it can be easy when you're, when you're sitting in a room with someone else who knows Jesus, and we just sit and talk about Jesus, we should do those things. We need to do those things. But there is this, this strong urging of the Savior and of the Scripture that we are those, that the church is on mission. The church has to tell everybody, tell anybody, everybody about the good news. And that's harder to do. That's, we got to keep reminding ourselves of this. So many churches lose their, their sense of mission. They might be gathering on Sunday morning and getting all lathered up in, in their love for Christ. And they might even attend a small group where other people who think just like them and act just like them are gathering together and, and, and building themselves up in the faith. And that's good, but it always has to result in wanting to spread this good news. It has to. It has to be the overflow of our heart. And, and the reality of it is, is if Jesus, if you're a nobody that, that has received somebody, Jesus, into your life, and, and, he, and you're in Christ, you do have this desire to tell other people about Jesus. Amen? <laughs> Matt Smethurst, he's a church planner, said this, if the church is not on mission... It's just a bunch of disobedient Christians hanging out. I don't want that. I don't want that for us, church. I don't want us to just be a bunch of disobedient Christians that just hang out every week. But that we actually live on mission. The church isn't on mission just because we write it on our website. The church isn't on mission just because we call our small groups missional community groups. So on mission, if we're doing what the shepherds did, what did they do? They just went and told. They just told people the good news about Christ. It's harder to live with a sense of mission. That's that's why I keep reminding myself. It's why I keep reminding us as a church. We've got to live on mission. That's why we're trying to be a a church that sends people. Sends people like the heart souls. They're alone now in Southeast Asia trying to, to tell everybody about somebody. That's why it's important to us so that we live on mission. I just heard a great story. And the band can return while I close. I was just having... Dinner with some people recently, and they were just talking about their missional community. And and if I understood the story right, they were getting ready to have a meal together for everyone in their community group. So, and probably most of the people in their community group would identify as Christians. So they're getting ready to have this meal together, and one of them says, or a few of them maybe said, Hey. We are, and I think some of the people couldn't show up, so the, 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 the group was going to be smaller, and so one of them said, hey, we should invite some of our friends who don't know Jesus to our meal together to eat with them, and they did that. They had this incredible, they had this incredible evening together as Christians and non-Christians all together. The, Does that sound as hard as go and tell? It's really not that hard. You eat every day, probably three times. Just invite some people to join you in that. And sometimes invite some of your friends who don't know Jesus to eat with you. And in the context of that conversation, undoubtedly, you'll talk about yourself, they'll talk about themselves, and you may get an opportunity to identify as a Christian, as someone who loves Jesus, and you might get an opportunity to share with them why you're a person of hope. You might wonder why the song says, go tell it on the mountain. Bethlehem is located in the Judean mountains. It's on the same, basically, the same elevation as Jerusalem. So when the shepherds returned, their testimony was delivered to other shepherds who lived on the hills, in the mountains. It reminds us of a famous passage of scripture, Isaiah 52:7. Isaiah said this: "How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news!" who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. God has been faithful to keep his word and to bring salvation to a needy world. I pause and think about things. I think about the poetry that Isaiah used there. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet. Now feet are part of God's creation, and if you stop and study them, you'll stand in awe of how God has constructed your feet to hold you up and to run and to walk. But if I'm honest, like feet are not what, if I said beauty or beautiful, and then said make a list of things that are beautiful, your feet would not be on the list. feet, you only want the people, you know how you can measure whether you're close to someone? Their feet can get on you or near you. You don't want feet. Like, I think about that. Like, if I was a doctor, what kind of doctor would I be? And I'm not going to be a doctor. I was never smart enough to be a doctor. But I do think about that. I think about, there's some kinds of of doctoring that I don't want to do. I'm glad somebody else wants to do it. But podiatry is one of them. Getting them people's nasty feet up in your hands? They're bringing them toenail fungus up in there and, and bunions and corns and, and their feet all mangled and laying their feet up in your hands? Mm-mm. How beautiful are the feet? You want to know if you have beautiful feet? It's if you're actually telling the good news about Jesus. Maybe Isaiah could have said it this way, and I think it's fair to do this. If beautiful feet on the mountains are those who bring good news, those that have seen the good news and are now bringing it, then you might say, how ugly are the feet of those who have received, who have tasted and seen that God is good but won't tell anybody about it. You got ugly feet or you got beautiful feet? We have this privilege, church, to go and tell, go and tell, go and tell, what does that look like? It's just making the most of the opportunities that God has given to us. I'm, I'm, I'm more, like, my wife Amy has just been a great example of this recently. Like she, every, con- She's been praying this, like, Lord, I have all these opportunities around me. And, and, and she's not forcing Jesus into every situation, but she's just saying, I'm available, I'm open to Jesus, and I'm open to others. And so she's had all these conversations in all these different places. I'm stunned at the text message Messages, she's receiving from people who don't know Christ that she's getting the opportunity just because she's caring for them. To share the good news. Guys, this is not, we oftentimes think of evangelists, okay, I got this friend. I got to show up. I'm going to take some cookies, beat on the door, and tell them how bad they are and, and how much they need a Savior. That doesn't sound like good news. It doesn't feel like good news. But we think that that's what we have to do. No, it's just looking around your world. It's opening your eyes, and it's listening to people long enough to hear their struggles and their trials, and then just saying something as simple as this, I'll pray for you in that. You tell somebody you're going to pray for them, and it's like, it opens up conversation. Just got a note. You got a note in the mail from someone that just thanked her for just being a friend to them. You'll be surprised if you just allow what you've seen to overflow out of you. You'll be surprised. Christmas is somebody inviting everybody to become, to be a nobody. And Christmas is inviting everybody to go and see, to go and tell. Who will you tell? That's the question. Amen?